You are Locked On Bucks, your daily podcast on the Milwaukee Bucks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Welcome to Locked on Bucks. I'm Eric Name. Joining me, as always, is my good friend Frank Madden. And Frank, this is the the Frank is on his last legs edition of Locked yeah. on Bucks. Uh, really is. We're going to try to keep uh, Frank somewhat sane uh, away from delirium that I know is very, very close. Uh, so we'll try to get into as much as possible uh, today. So we'll preview the Kings in a little bit, but kind of where I wanted to start, Frank, was uh, I think the biggest NBA story of the day and probably one of the biggest NBA stories of the year thus far in the Memphis Grizzlies firing their coach. They decided to fire David Fisdale today. And uh, again, I, I Reading more about it, I guess maybe if I was in Memphis, I would have thought a little bit more of that being a possibility. I would have thought that, okay, maybe that was something uh, that could actually happen. I know uh, earlier this week, Peter Edmiston was on uh, Locked on NBA with David, uh, and obviously he hosts Locked on Grizzlies, and he had said, okay, maybe that is something that could happen. So if I knew the local stuff a little bit better, maybe I would have thought that, but from afar, certainly, David Fisdale getting fired seems like quite a surprise. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I'm. I think I mentioned a little while ago. You know, if you were thinking about, um, you know, how do you go find a, a next coach for the Bucks if you move on from Jason Kidd, or when you move on from Jason Kidd, um, you know, do you find how do you find your David Fisdale, your <laughs> yeah. you know up and coming kind of well respected assistant who has a very good reputation among players and then comes in and um, as a more forward looking view of, you know, obviously the Grizzlies were a team that was, you know, the, the grinded out type team. And, um, he came in and got them to change the way they kind of approached, you know, certainly their offense in terms of yeah. shooting many more threes, you know, turning Marcus soul, who will play a key role in the firing here in a moment, but, um, turning Marcus soul into a real stretch big, which he had not been and a totally um, different player. Yeah. And, and still trying to obviously, you know, capture the things that made him the great player that he was before as well. So, um, so yeah, really interesting. And, and, you know, they had the hot start this year. Last year, they were good for quite some time, despite, you know, missing tons of, you know, guys for, for key periods of the season, yeah. but faltered a bit later, later in the year, they go 43 and 39 last year. So, I mean, they were slightly better than the bucks last year. Uh, it, people want any reference from that because uh, this is bucks podcast um they were frisky in the playoffs if not you know they, they didn't uh advance past the first round they in the past have you know been annoying to the golden state warriors and yeah. on numerous occasions in the playoffs which um certainly i think has you know generally had people 
respecting the Grizzlies and, and Fisdale last year in particular in his first year as coach, um, maybe more than, you know, certainly the, the record might indicate. And, um, and yeah, so, I mean, I think you can kind of pull some like high level headlines from David Fisdale's time in Memphis and say, wow, you know, he was doing a nice job. And, um, you know, he obviously had some of the, uh, some quote worthy moments as well. The, uh, take that for data ramp rant last year. And, um, a guy who was never afraid to get fired up and protect his players and, um, speak up when he thought, you know, officiating (laughs) was bad or, um, whatever it might be. So what was the rook line? We got rook tonight. Was that it? Yeah. I think that, what was that against? Was that against the Spurs? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, quotable, quotable does not make you a a good (laughs) NBA coach. Um, although, there is at least some evidence of correlation if uh greg popovich uh, greg popovich is of the world and there i guess there's only one greg popovich and steve kerr are uh, are of any indication but um but yeah i mean certainly for a guy who was you know just coming off his first year there were certainly some good indications from fisdale and they started off this year well before going into a deep funk and losing eight straight games and not just eight straight games but in their most recent game he benches marcus ol in the third quarter and doesn't bring him back in the fourth. And something that I really wasn't aware of was that apparently there just had always been some personality issues between yeah. Marcus Gasol and David Fisdale. And I don't know. I've never. I still am not clear as to if anybody really views one guy as being more culpable than the other. Um, I would say it's incumbent on both guys, as the coach and the star player of the team, to figure out a way to to you know, kind of see eye to eye. For the bad, you know, the best uh, interests of the team, but clearly there was friction there, and you know, I, I, tough to say exactly what what the story was in this last game. But um, you know, no, n- not much long after Gasol is benched, um, do we hear that Chris? By the way, I I always forget that Chris Wallace is is still the GM of the Grizzlies. Like, like really, the Grizzlies have. Chris Wallace, who's like <laughs> kind of been around forever and never has seemingly been that well respected as, no, a, as, a, as a GM, um, is still technically the GM there. Um, but Chris Wallace and uh, you know supposedly not uh, beleaguered owner Robert Parra, who's um, had some of his own kind of question marks with his company having issues of late. But Robert Parra, who supposedly is very close to Marcus claims he has nothing to do with this and it's you know management's decision. But either way. All of a sudden, Dave Fizzle goes from, you know, much ballyhooed young coach to a guy without a job very early in this NBA season, just his second year. And, um, yeah, I mean, I don't know what you think. I, th- I think one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this was because, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about Jason Kidd and the questions about Kidd's tenure in Milwaukee and, and also just about, like, what has to happen to see an in-season coaching move? Because – yeah. It, it's it's not easy to make a move like this. There there isn't like some magic, you know, list of terrific head coaches that are just available during a season. You could argue that there is now one more good head coach available uh, right now if, you know, depending on your opinion of David Fisdale, but it is interesting to kind of piece together what led to this in terms of losing, in terms of personality, in terms of relationship with star player and certainly I think you can maybe draw some relevance to what we have and haven't seen in Milwaukee so far. Yeah, I, I just kind of think about uh, especially reading uh, Sam Amick's story uh, a little bit kind of about all of the, the disc, the discord between those two guys. Like I, from the, again, from the outside, I don't follow the Grizzlies every day. I don't 
think about every grizzly story that I see. I don't internalize I mean, it's bad all enough, of that. It's, it's bad enough we have to like we've spent the last two decades thinking of, about the Bucks. Like, God damn it, I'm not going to be spending time. I'm not going to be freelancing with Grizzlies thinking. No. Okay, sorry. As no. much as Gasol and Mike Conley are great players, but sorry, no. Yeah. The, so I I don't know all of that, but just reading through Sam Amick's story you kind of see like that's always been there that when they first got together Fizdale questioned uh, Gasol's leadership and whether or not he could handle being uh, the leader of a playoff team and all the stuff and there was just so much there that I, I was I don't want to I was kind of my mind was kind of blown just that I was totally surprised that that was something that would happen because when I think of Marc Gasol I think of someone who's undoubtedly a leader Someone that defensively is going to talk through everything, is going to be communicating, is going to be calling everything out, is going to be letting everyone know where to be. And to me, that screams, that guy's a leader. Uh, so it, it was just kind of strange to read through the story and see that, oh, those have been questions that that Fisdale has had about him throughout his tenure. So it, it was just kind of interesting that those two had that relationship. And then when you talk about what, what needs what would happen or what would need to occur to have an in-season firing i think you're looking at a lot of stuff like this wasn't just losing eight straight games like i think if you lose eight straight games and fizdale and gasol get along perfectly he's not getting fired right no, like, not. like that's not enough that that, just, that simply isn't which i think makes the the Giannis Sweeney incident over the weekend e- even more uh, relevant. Uh, and again, we talked about whether or not that's a story or a non-story, but the fact that the next day everyone could kind of just get through it and say like, you know what, that's fine. Like We both still get along with each other. Uh, we both still like each other. We're still friends. That's what brothers do. Whatever. Um, but when you start to think about it, like those are the things that would have to happen consistently. You would have to have that type of discord between your star player and your coaching staff, and there would have to be bad feelings between those two paired with a lot of losing to have an in-season firing occur. And uh, maybe the Grizzlies feel a little bit more confident having J.B. Bickerstaff around. I don't know if you feel more <laughs> confident in him than Joe Prunty. I, he's at least been a head coach before. Mm-hmm. Um, but... There's just so many things that, as you're going through the checklist of trying to figure out exactly how a coach gets fired in the NBA midseason, it just looks like they were all there for the Grizzlies. There there was a bunch of those things, and I don't think you could say the same thing about Milwaukee, or at least not at this point. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, it's kind of... Um there's some sharp contrasts um and I, and I realize a lot of people won't want to won't want to hear that but hear me out i think um certainly an, an obvious um contrast is that i would say david fisdale is you know viewed as had or had been viewed as up until uh you know this afternoon a guy that was a very much an up-and-coming young head coach who you know if you polled i think people who really do follow um, the game and and you could tell by just you know on my Twitter timeline people who do follow the Grizzlies pretty closely you know people who um, you know are plugged in were were shocked by that that this actually happened you know and we mentioned um, Peter from Locked On Grizz actually sort of suggesting this could happen so it's not like a total surprise again listen to that Locked On Network for that that great 
local uh, insight. But um, but by the same token, I mean nobody nobody really thought. I mean that they weren't going to fire David Fisdale, right? <laughs> Wow. And, and you think about all those lists that came out, like every list that someone in the know, someone in the basketball industry, as they're trying to put together like up and coming guys that could be your head coach, like guys that should be hired next. Fizdale was always on those lists. Like people right. were so excited about the work he had done in Miami, the work he had done with LeBron, with Wade, with all those guys. He's a, a guy under Spo, and obviously. If you've listened to our podcast, you know that we love Spo, and I think he's pretty universally beloved around the league as well. Like there was just so many things there that you thought this guy is an undoubtedly up and coming coach that's going to have a lot of success in his career, and yeah, to see him get fired is kind of shocking. Yeah, and I mean, I think so. So to kind of continue the thought, so certainly Fizdale's reputation would not have suggested that that he was you know in line to have this happen. Certainly, you know. There's a lot more smoke around a guy like Kidd, and certainly you can, you know, like like an Earl Watson type guy. There was a lot less, you know, nobody was sitting around putting Earl Watson at the top of there, like, oh, this guy's a young and up and comer, and he's no. he's totally gonna like lead the Suns to something special, you know. I mean, there wasn't any of that. Um, but when you look at the Grizzlies, I mean, the Grizzlies were not expected to be, you know, a 50 win team, right? I mean, no. people have been sort of proclaiming that you know that the the downfall of the Grizzlies was more imminent than it has been uh let's say uh for a few years now and you know inevitably they seem to play better than a lot of people expect um and I think that happened to some extent last year um you know and again shaking off injuries you know Conley I think they lost early in last season as well and Conley's been hurt you know we saw how much he was struggling against the Bucks when the Bucks beat the Grizzlies a couple weeks back um and so it's not like you know this was a team at you know that, that was supposed to win 55 games and they were at full strength and, you know, everything was going haywire. I mean, you know, Conley's been hurt. He's been out. Um, they've had injuries that they've coped with. They've got to Michael Green back. But on the flip side, you know, I mean, Chandler Parsons been ridiculously playing over, over his head for much of the early season, um, except when he's having to guard Giannis, I guess. Uh, <laughs> And Tyreek Evans, I mean, Bucks, we saw that. You know, that yeah. wasn't just a Bucks thing. Like, Tyreek Evans has been terrific this year. So it's not like, you know, the sum of the parts was, you know, far less or something like that this year than, than what you'd expect in, in Memphis. Um, but they won a bunch of games early, and there's still this expectation of them being competitive. And then they do, you know, you lose eight straight games, no matter what team you're talking about. You lose eight straight games, people start to think, "Hey, what the hell, what the hell is going on?" Yeah. Um, and so I think you know that paired with again this sense of, "Wow, this coach for whatever reason does not see eye to eye with this star player." And granted, this star player in Marcus Ola is thirty-two years old. Who you know, I don't know what the trade market would be for Marcus Ola. And even if you did want to move Marcus Ola slash Mike Conley. Those guys are owed a ton of money. They're over 30. And you have this extra complicating factor in Memphis where, I mean, they owe that unprotected 2019 pick to, to Boston. So even if you tried to just like blow it up this year, maybe that gets you, you know, a mid lottery pick this coming year. But all of a sudden, then you're kind of sitting like, oh crap, we're going to be losing potentially another yeah. great pick the year after. And now that may be destined either way, but there there's some kind of bigger problems in memphis right now and uh, you know matt moore who um has covered the grizzlies that, that's been a team that he has covered very closely for a long time over at cbs sports our friend matt he wrote a really good take on this and 
um, you know, his kind of closing line was, you know, whatever you, however you want to parse the blame here, it's probably going to get worse before it's going to get better in Memphis. And, you know, certainly J.B. Bickerstaff, a guy who I saw coach the Rockets when they fired Kevin McHale a couple of years ago. And even though that happened, happened very early in the season and they had a lot of time to kind of get that team, which had a ton of talent back on track, that never happened. You know, they won yeah. what, 41 games, were one of the biggest disappointments of the year that season two years ago before D'Antoni comes. So, so yeah, I mean, I think this combination, right, You and, and there was no, I mean, I haven't heard any other indication that that Fisdale had lost the locker room, but he lost Marc Gasol, clearly, and that is a huge deal. So if you lose a star player, that's a big deal, and if you just lose a bunch of games, even if your team isn't expected to be great, um, you know, you find an ownership group that is in a weird position in Memphis, um, it's it's strange there and they have this weird situation where they they don't feel like they can just you know kick the can down the road and rebuild and go for next year i mean they're in this weird spot where they do feel like they have to try to continue to compete and obviously things started to go south and man they again i i don't see how this turns around their season but um it was a bold move, if nothing, if nothing else. Yeah, it, it's just kind of incredible to think of a team with a coach that, that, like you said, that I think is pretty well respected to decide that in this tough spot where they do have some interesting questions about the future and pick protections and stuff like that, which also plays here in Milwaukee uh, as the Bucks made that move for Bledsoe, you think, okay, the, you can see a bunch of the parallels, but... Overall, the big difference remains that uh, I don't think there's any signs that Kidd and Sweeney and his staff have lost Giannis Dedekumbo or are close to losing Giannis Dedekumbo. Even even with uh, even with him telling Sweeney, "I'm going to f you up in the bench uh, <laughs> against the Jazz," like it, it seemed like everything was back to being all good, and maybe it won't be. But it certainly appears that way. And, yeah, it, it even with all the parallels that you can draw, it still seems like so far away in that there's a lot of power in star players in the NBA right now. And if your coach gets along with your star player, there's probably a chance that they can underwhelm a little bit as far as expectations come for winning and losing. Like, if your star is still happy, okay. we We can probably look the other way. Uh, as an ownership group, it, as long as you have the star's ear, that's probably uh, more important than slightly underperforming. So um, I, I don't know. It, it's just it, it's an it really interesting because so many of those same thing, so many of the same things are happening in Milwaukee. You have the questions about the future, what you can do with that. You gave up a first round pick again. Obviously, there's a bunch of protections on it, not unprotected like uh, Memphis's, but still, there's some question marks for the future. You have to figure out what's going on with Jabari. You're in a small market. How do you win? How do you lose? How do you make larger decisions? Like a, a number of those those criteria and a number of those things in the periphery are all very similar. Uh, so it, it's just interesting to see something go in this direction and really kind of just shock me. Yeah, and and I think the main thing is, you know, any franchise, if if things go south in a hurry and the locker room, if the, you know, if there's if if you lose tons of games or if you um, have a locker room situation where, again, it, it feels like you can't move forward with it, whether that's losing 
a bunch of people in the locker room and and again i have no idea right like we saw it seemed like the like jason kidd was losing the locker room a year ago in january when they lost whatever it was 11 out of 13 games 11 out of 12 games or whatever it was that was his that was his moment where it seemed like man you're losing a ton of games does this roster like even buy into anything that they're that they're doing anymore like are they just sort of sign you know checking out um that's you know i I don't know if the star player by himself is is a worse thing to happen versus the whole roster seeming to kind of give up um (laughs) but somehow last year the bucks kind of you know pulled things together and, and and rallied a bit granted you know as we've mentioned they were probably pretty lucky to win as many games as they did late in the season but obviously they turned around you know the the, the really bad state that they were in so um so yeah it, we'll have to see i mean and again you know i i don't want people who want you know i hate to tell people who want a new coach in milwaukee that oh well you've got to root for the bucks to lose 10 straight games <laughs> like yeah. like you know that that's what's the most frustrating now is is that i feel like a lot of people because they are you know and and i obviously we understand it like if they're very unsettled about the coaching and it feels like there's not progress being made um it, it's almost like well geez do i even want this team to succeed and which is so strange right because normally we we're used to like oh well this kind of stuff happened when you know people wanted the team to tank and get a high draft pick right and that's like that kind of incentive stuff is at least like kind of makes sense because that's how you get like good young players but like when you're worried that oh the team might be you know the players might be too good and you know <laughs> lead the team <laughs> to too much success and then you're, you may retain this coach that you think is ultimately you know not going to take you as far as you you know you need to go i mean that's that's probably the worst. I mean, that's worse than, you know, rooting for a, a team that's tanking or whatever, just because at least with tanking, like everybody can sort of see, you know, yep. the, the upside. But with, you know, when you feel like you have to save your franchise from its own coach, like, and, and I know a lot of people are like kind of at that point, which, you know, again, we can debate the severity of that type of stuff, but just a weird situation. And I mean, either way, in the NBA, you know, we saw a year, an unprecedented length of time with no coaching moves. And obviously this year things got off pretty quickly <laughs> to a different start with Earl Watson losing his job, what, two, three games into the season. Yeah. And now David Fisdale losing his job. I mean, uh, pretty shocking. I mean, I, I remember being very surprised when Kevin McHale lost his job earlier in the season a couple years ago. Um, but similar situation there, a, a team that had maybe higher expectations, but lost a bunch of games and had players that as we've seen since then uh clearly did not buy into the coach anymore and ultimately you know i'm sure james harden not being a kevin McHale fan did not uh do much to uh to prevent him from from losing his job pretty quick so anyway i again doesn't seem like necessarily everything lines up exactly similarly in milwaukee i think you know it's not going to be Giannis deciding that he hates Sean Sweeney and Jason Kidd. Um, I don't think Giannis is just that kind of person as much as he might be getting more and more frustrated. But um, certainly all these things, you know, at some point maybe they do tip. Um, and more importantly, you know, expectations versus reality is always probably the, the most important thing and how much patience the team and ownership and front office has. Obviously, that's that's pretty big. And usually when those things become very misaligned, that's, that's when you see changes. Well... Talking about misaligned ownership and coaching and decision making, 
the Milwaukee Bucks will play the Sacramento Kings uh, tonight uh, by the time you're listening to this here on Tuesday. The Sacramento Kings are misaligned in every single way. Um, <laughs> Ironically, their firing of Mike Malone, you know, early in, I don't know, what was that, three years ago or something? Yeah. That, that's been off-sited today as sort of the, the best analog for what the Grizzlies just did where, um, you know, well, whatever. I don't need to talk more about David Fidel. <laughs> but, but yeah, I, I, not per, perhaps ironic that the Bucks are, are playing the, the Sacramento Kings on a day where we discuss a coach being fired uh, perhaps earlier than than he should have. Yeah, so uh, obviously they have a they have a whole lot going on in Sacramento. They always do. Uh, Dave Yeager is the coach there. Uh, formerly Former Grizzly, <laughs> a Grizzlies coach. Uh, Vladivak, uh, the uh, GM there. They've made a bunch of moves that eh, make some sense. Uh, some others that don't make as much sense. And they have a weirdly formed team uh, that just is not very good uh on the season they are five and 14 offensive rating of 29 defensive rating of 26 uh pretty much the last time i went through someone or some team that looks this ugly um well i've i've said i mean i I think that was the dallas mavericks and uh that did not go well for the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, they they did not end up winning that game. Uh, so this is another one where uh, we talked a little bit last night about uh, how you could start to have a season that looks really bad and is off the rails and you need to end up getting rid of coaches. And obviously we talked about that a little bit today. I think making the Kings look good two times in the next week would get it done. Um, that, that would do it because... Unlike the Mavericks, there are not things that would suggest that this Kings team can take advantage of you. At least with the Mavericks, they were second in three-point rate, and you knew that they were going to hunt those threes out. And there was at least a chance that if they got hot that night that they could put it on the Bucks. And again, I thought it was a minimal chance because ultimately the Mavericks aren't very good, but they ended up doing that. The Kings are 30th in three-point attempt rate. Uh, they are 29th in free-throw rate. So the two biggest problems for the Bucks' defense, the Kings are very bad at. So uh, if the Bucks could manage to make them look good in those two regards, well, then I think you're looking at something pretty serious and something that uh, would maybe continue to linger. So it's, I mean, I don't want to say this is a game that the Bucks should win because I don't feel confident in saying anything about this team at that point. But the Bucks should win this game. Yeah. I was gonna say, but the Bucks should win, should win this game. Um, yeah, I mean, this is uh, this is just a team that you know. Interestingly, they they had I think a, a draft night that got a lot of people excited because they added a number of interesting young players, um, led by De'Aaron Fox, who has I think shown a lot of talent early in the season, but certainly the results and you know the advanced metrics and the other metrics. He's still a rookie. Uh, he is very much still a rookie. Uh, he's very much a guy that. Um, you know, concerns about his shooting uh, certainly have borne out thus far. Doesn't take many threes, shooting 31% on those, um, shooting a low percentage on twos overall. Um, and, you know, just a guy that at this point, you know, you can see why he would have been, you know, the lottery pick that he was. But um, in terms of the finished product, that isn't there. And just kind of a weird hodgepodge of guys around him as well. You know, they added a number of veteran guys that you kind of thought, well, maybe maybe that's going to put them into a little bit higher winning bracket, you know, not that they're going to go to the playoffs, but maybe that, you know, boosts them up a little bit, but 
mean, Vince Carter, our guy, guy we love. Uh, Vince has been terrible, which means he's probably going to hit like seven threes against the Bucks. <laughs> um, that would be but, the lock on Bucks way. Yeah, but he has a PER of one point three. He has a box score plus minus of minus seven point five right now. Uh, a three three thirty five point one percent true shooting mark. He has struggled mightily, so I feel like we're giving him the Manu Ginobili treatment where mm-hmm. we point out how bad he's been, and then he'll inevitably uh, shake it off and, and do something to, to disappoint us. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Vince struggling. Um, Zach Randolph, you know, you can if you just look at his raw numbers, you can probably talk yourself into saying, oh, he's still got some game. But, um, you know, Zach putting up 13 and, and 6. But, again, I mean, Zach Randolph is not a very efficient guy. And, you know, if you know how to exploit him defensively, obviously you should feel like uh, this is a team that, you know, you can exploit because it's veterans with limitations like the Zach Randolphs of the world um, and then a bunch of young guys who obviously are still trying to figure a lot of these things out and figuring out how to be a winning, you know, winning basketball team. And, you know, but, but they have a lot of interesting pieces. Um, you know, uh, I, I think, uh, you look at their, their young guys, you know, Fox is the, the, probably the, the headliner, um, you know, Bogdan Bogdanovich is a guy that, that I, I was found very intriguing a few years ago when he was draft eligible, um, finally came over this year. Um, he's been okay, but you know, certainly not any type of revelation. Um, but he has had maybe some some more moments this year. He's shooting 44% from three, so that's obviously you know the thing that he's supposed to do. Um, Justin Jackson has had some some moments, I guess, um, but certainly you know not standing out in, in in any type of meaningful way. And Scalabissier probably been a bit disappointing, I would say, thus far, just because he did show some real flashes last year. I don't I don't know if we'd want to have a Scal versus Thon. Um, hype slash disappointment. Yeah, uh, that's not a bad you know, comp though. Break breakdance fight between these guys. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Scal certainly his scoring is much better than than what we've seen from Thon. Um, you know, I think certainly if you look just at the raw numbers, you know, Scal's having a better second year than Thon. And what um, was, Scal you know, had a really nice March, right? I think it was a March where he was just night in night out like double digits just look, putting up numbers yeah just looking yeah. good and yeah. yeah it hasn't been the case this year yeah i mean he's still you know he's still fine but again like the question you know obviously there are always questions about him and kind of maybe the mental side and you know did he have kind of the mindset to be a big time player and, and and i don't know if any of that has been answered thus far this year um and then maybe kind of the most interesting guy in this roster because he's a guy i mentioned before the bucks trader for eric bledsoe is a guy that I don't know. I just kind of threw him out as a guy that we've often talked about. We've often professed our love for him in previous oh, yes. years. Um, but George Hill, um, he signs basically kind of was left without a chair in sort of the musical chairs game of uh, offseason point guards and um, ends up taking a, you know, a very nice consolation, what, three year, $57 million contract. Not bad. Uh, that's not bad consolation. Not bad. Not bad consolation. I'll take that consolation if anybody wants to offer it. Um, but at the age of 31, it, just a weird start to his time in Sacramento. And, you know, again, like I, I have a hard time seeing George Hill as a guy that, that you know, the Kings would not be willing to move for not a whole lot because, again, he's owed a ton of money. He's 31. He plays, you know, basically the same position as, you know, their star young guy in De'Aaron Fox. And, and again, George Hill can play next to De'Aaron Fox. Um, but weirdly, like, George Hill just hasn't really even tried to score or do much of anything this year so far. Um, 
you know, he's shooting 45% from three. His efficiency isn't horrible. Seven field goal attempts a game. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, just just very just Because very at other times, we've seen him take over. Like, there was the year in Indianapolis where they they had people kind of leave, and then all of a sudden George Hill was, like, scoring and being aggressive and taking shots, and he just hasn't done that this year. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's just kind of weird, and and again, I don't know. I mean, this is a this is a weird team. They they are, you know, I'm sure Vlade was trying to find that combination of you know veterans to help the young guys kind of understand how to win. But the way it's kind of worked out is, you know, a lot of these a lot of these veterans just I mean they just don't have much left in the tank, and the young guys you know are just not ready to to really help anybody win games. So. Yeah, they're just a weird team, and as you said, I mean, offensively, defensively, they don't really do anything well. Um, importantly for the Bucks, they just don't shoot threes, really. Yep. Um, and again, we will see if the Bucks can can pry that out of them. Um, <laughs> but certainly, this is a team that, yeah, the Bucks got to win this game. Um, and if they don't, if they don't win this game, the next podcast will be very unpleasant. Um, and even if the Bucks do win this game, I mean, look. I'm a Bucks fan. I want to see Giannis and these guys win games and be happy. And again, I don't, I don't like seeing uh, these players that we like so much uh, be just pissed off and and frustrated. Even if you know we don't think the coaching staff is maybe putting them in the best position to win. Um, but you know, it's one of those things we've talked about. It. The Bucks have not had many convincing wins. Atlanta might have been the one obvious convincing win against yeah. a bad team. This is obviously a team that you'd say is a candidate to. Um, also, uh, similarly, um, you know, get run uh, a bit and, and be ripe for the Bucks to, to maybe uh, bring the wood to them. That they Bucks did that for much of the game in Sacramento last year. Giannis kind of looked like a, a man among boys. Um, but you know, by the same token, we're as we're recording this, the Kings are coming on in on a back to back, and as of the third quarter we'll see how, we'll see how long this lasts but early in the third quarter they've hung tough and pretty much even with the golden state warriors so um so we'll see how the, they react to coming in off the emotional high of probably losing to, to the golden state warriors um but having a big game against their local rival uh and then coming back the next night against a bucks team that you know again is better than them but obviously um, not quite as as interesting and as hyped uh, a team that you get as hyped for as the Warriors. So um, so anyway, we'll we'll kind of see how it plays out. But um, you know, again, another situation where a bad team coming off back to back is going to face the Bucks after they've gotten a couple days to to rest and prepare for whatever that's worth. Yeah, I was going to say it's funny that you mentioned that if it doesn't go well, you're going to hear a podcast that is us just kind of generally angry. Uh, and uh, we've had a couple comments recently that are like, man, you guys are, are just way more despondent and annoyed lately. And it's like, I don't want to be annoyed. I don't enjoy being despondent. Like, I am a little bit self-loathing. Like, don't get me wrong. We certainly are. We are Bucks fans. So there's a little bit in everything that we do. But, like, I would enjoy talking about this team doing well. I would love to have some of those conversations. They just need to do that. <laughs> like, I, I'm... That we're not gonna we're not gonna give you anything that we don't feel is accurate. Uh, so the Bucks aren't playing well right now. So we're gonna tell you that the Bucks aren't playing well right now. We're probably not gonna be too happy about telling you that the Bucks aren't playing well because well we watch them and we analyze them and it's not fun to watch bad basketball. So hopefully 
that's not the case against the Kings on Tuesday. Hopefully we can have a game uh, like you mentioned, like the one that they had against the Hawks where they took care of business and just ran them out of the gym, just boat raced them, and we're all good to go. So hopefully that's the case. Hopefully that's the podcast we record tomorrow night uh, because we're going to be recording late and both of us are probably going to be a little bit cranky since we are up that late. So hopefully everything goes well. That's going to be it for us for today, though. For Frank, I'm Eric. This has been Lockdown Bucks. We will talk to you tomorrow.